everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. We have Alain Braun. He's an author of the latest book on the hero's journey and entrepreneurism. And we'd like to welcome him. I've read his book several times, really enjoyed it. And I thought it'd be a great podcast guest to have on to talk about how he started to get into this area from the hero's journey's perspective and how it works with entrepreneurs. So welcome, Alain. Hi, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Right, a little bit of your background and how you came to looking at the hero's journey and applying it to the whole idea of entrepreneurial journeys. Yeah, so, so besides, uh, you know, uh, being in the business world, and uh, I always had a passion for philosophy and also for the arts, I must say. And there is, there is some element of, you know, it's like, People that are familiar more with her journey will be like people that are script writers and, and people like in the uh, writers themselves are like the most familiar with, with the hero journey and similar frameworks. So for me, the, when I been to this, there was a period that I was writing and, and looking at how I improve my writing and I look at different frameworks. So um, I start to learn different, you know, different methodologies, and this is how I came to the hero journey. But, but, you know, that was always a hobby for me, like writing and, and making ideas, you know. So this is was something I always believe I should improve. And uh, in in my book, I call it the expression phase. So, you know, you in the entrepreneurship. Uh, in my book, I talk about uh, the eight steps of the entrepreneurship and how. Um, you move from making an idea until you bring it to the market. And like I, I came to this uh, combining few philosophies and few teachers. So with the years I had few teachers uh, for personal development or if uh, uh, teachers that uh, uh, business teachers. And uh, I also love the science. So I always was exploring math and, and these directions. And with the years I came into like, uh, uh, taking the, the, you know, a lot of knowledge that I learned and I formalize it in a very um, symmetric way, let's say. So the symmetrical way, this is I learned from something called the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with spiral dynamics or integral philosophy. You're familiar with that, Mike? I'm not. What is that? Well, how would you describe that? I, I really, re really recommend for people like to be updated in philosophy and, and the current philosophers especially. So, you know, we have the old schools, but like Jordan Peterson, there are a few philosophers today which are amazing. And another one that uh, I know that you're familiar and, and uh, you enjoy Jordan Peterson's work is yep. a guy named Ken Wilber. And I really suggest uh, um, to look at his work. And because, but this is go to a very spiritual direction but I think uh, Jordan Peterson and, and Ken Wilber can be good friends in their perspective. Uh, but uh, Ken Wilber show how philosophically we can divide, we can look at the world, he call it the AQAL, and how you can look at the world in four different dimensions. So one of the dimensions, for example, you have mentioned me that a uh, dimension that's interesting for you, Mike, is the dimension of the economy. Economical dimension to, to business is a very special angle. Not every entrepreneur have these eyes to look into in an economical way or in a systematic way on business. Now, uh, you need certain maturity and experience to look in these eyes because this is not something you learn directly from school. And this is not something that come to you naturally looking in a systematic way from zoom out perspective. As you know, uh, unless you've been educated in, in economy and in uh, statistics and in uh, uh, social sciences, um, the uh, theory of thinking and cognition, uh, cognition. So in this perspective, this is a certain perspective to look at entrepreneurship. And I describe in the book how we shift between four main dimensions. And the four main, main dimensions are the they mention as a perspective that Ken Wilber suggests, which is one, the internal self. So everything happening within us. This is a total different dimension, personal development. You hear in the social media all day long about uh, uh, everywhere about like, you know, uh, uh, um, consciousness and self-work and, you know, 
So it's a big, big world of the internal. But on the other hand, there is a world which is maybe less familiar, is a world of how do we work as a team? You know, we are more familiar with that when you start to go to your daily job. And uh, we're familiar with that actually when we start school. But this shift between being um, with our own self to the, our being as a, in society, in the social structure, which meaning our knowledge of other cultures, our knowledge of the norms, the knowledge of our uh, common languages, all these uh, is another dimension. And this we call it the um, internal collective uh, dimension. So, so and the move is from the internal self to the internal collective to the system dimension, which is the external collective. And then the end of the journey, and this is, I'm aligning that to the hero journey, the end of that will be in the external individual dimension, which is the user. Now, entrepreneurs need to be able to shift in mindset in these four dimensions repeatedly. And in each dimension that, uh, so it's like, uh, let's say the processes, uh, maybe we can look at it. I don't know if you, you have familiar with Piaget work. So there is a Piaget philosophy and work. And uh, you see how an organism is actually based on, on a, a actions that we actually, with the development of the organism, these actions are becoming more and more uh, complex and um, complex in one way, but more simple for the, for the organism to, to support. Um, and now, so this move from the fourth dimension, so in a way we move from the first dimension, which is the self, to the second dimension, which is the internal, um, internal collective, to the external collective, and then to the external self. And this is the hero journey. And this is a, the, what is aligning that and this idea that we actually move between this dimension and perspective is the, the core of the book. Now, on every dimension, I look at the input function and output function for this dimension. So it this bring us like to eight steps. And the eight steps, we can learn to be great in each one of these eight steps. And we can be lack some knowledge in each one of the eight steps. So we, it's be, it can be like, a, we are great in, in, uh, in marketing, but we are, and, and we are great in, uh, I don't know, reaching people and distributing thing and sales thing, but we are not so great in making ideas, for example, and coming with inspiring product to make. Or we can be like great in making inspiring product to make, and we can be great in the sales, but we have very big issue with, the, working with people and working in a team and leading a team especially can be a bottleneck. And we see there are many books that address every dimension and aspect in business for every one of the, of, of the steps. You know, it, it is like the, the idea, the idea in the hero journey that the user, the hero, and we can go into the subject of the hero if you like, Mike. But this, I think more, it's, it's every time is more sentimental, you know, it's like, a, it really depends on your value when you're describing the hero. Where are you from? Because I see people hero, when you look at different cultures and different countries, it's a little bit, it looks a little bit different. So I will say it's also for the entrepreneur, it will be a little bit different. My, when, can I ask you about, you said that you read my book a few times. Yes, Maybe I you can share with me as well what you enjoyed from the book. So I, I can give you more focus. And Yeah, so I really like, you're one of the few books or, that I've seen that really applies the hero's journey to, uh, at least in the United States, the hero's journey has been really picked up by Hollywood, the Rocky movies, most of the superhero movies. It doesn't seem to be applied in the real world, deeply ingrained in video games, uh, ingrained in popular movies. But I think your book really kind of says, hey, you know what? It is a roadmap for transformational change. And this monomyth that's out there is going to be part of this entrepreneurial work. And I, I, that's what I thought was really interesting is I don't think anyone's ever uh, applied it that way, that there are these steps that are very similar to what Joseph Campbell laid out in any kind of entrepreneurial journey. And I, that's what I found very interesting about the whole theme and that the idea of moving from uh, those different quadrants. So when people here start talking about philosophy, and there, I think there's a big gap between uh, philosophers 
and business people. And this book kind of brings those two together. If you take a look at some of the more successful entrepreneurs out there, maybe a Stephen Jobs, you know, he really came in with what you were, you know, you have a very eclectic background. Uh, he came in with a very eclectic background and, you know, he was not a technology person. He came in with a, an eclectic background. That is a hero's journey <laughs> story. The Stephen Jobs story, as much as you use Thomas Edison, which is another great example. That's why I think is really interesting is you're applying something that uh, a monomyth for, for personal transformation in a business transformation setting that I don't think a lot of businesses have picked up on as an approach. Thank you, Mike. I, I really love what you're saying. You know, it's like, a, <laughs> I like to hear more. This is, this is amazing. I'm really touched actually by that. that it's, it's, I'm, I'm very, I feel like I'm being seen now when you say that because my book is about that. You're totally right. The place of interaction between philosophy and business, there is no much interaction there. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can be very judged being as, you know, there are two business people can judge philosophy, people that do philosophy really easily. And the same go to the other direction. And we can look and we can understand what do they judge. You know, this line of judgment between the world of philosophy and the world of business, I would like to look at it much better because I believe they can feed each other in a, in a great way. I, I think that, a, that a, a, a business person which have a better, better, go, better clear story to, and, and a clear... Um, <clears throat> narrative and meaning to his life can do much better you know if you believe in what you're doing and you have a good story what you what you up to and you really believe in that you make it good you'll be much more strong studying so you know thousands of years you know the, the size of philosophy is like the, the enormous amount of material exists in philosophy is, is mind-boggling people have been studying how we think how we work for, for thousands of years so not applying this information in any way, not from being familiar with, with basic, basics, you know, if you don't know philosophy, the basic of philosophy, you have a big issue with understanding yourself and understanding people. So I, I do think it's like a must. But then business people will say, okay, but this will be a waste of time. And then we look at the matter of time. So yeah, it I, does look, uh, you're right. I think from a business standpoint, a philosophical approach, or even what you're talking about, I think there's, a, there's that judgment of that's silly. Take a look at Simon Sinek. Just what you said, if you take a philosophical approach to your business, you will resonate stronger with people. That's exactly what Simon Sinek said with his book, Why, right? That, uh, you know, Apple's approach to technology is not, we make a better computer. It's nothing about that. It's, it's a totally different approach that uh, we can be, enable you to be a better person. That's really kind of, we make great products for people to explore be their best and that's what they're kind of saying and, and so philosophical approach pierces through but it does seem to be very um random it does come it has to be translated to business people in a very business format if you take a look at meditation or some of the things that we've seen with the adoption of mindfulness in business approach it had to be translated they even don't even like to use the word meditation they use mindfulness and it's all about how can we be a better company i think everything has to be translated to a tool i'll embrace philosophy if, if it gives me a competitive advantage from a business person it has to be translated into a soundbite that they can take and, and run with absolutely there are many things that people in business that is written in the book do not understand that coming from the world of philosophy we can look at this way so if we're talking now to business people, I want I can show you a few few examples of understanding better philosophy and understanding better mathematics, which is I don't see them so far away, um, which relevant to business. So, for example, in, in my book, you know, if you read my book, my book is written like from from step one to step eight. So some people, you know. They're already in step seven, step eight, meaning they made already big impact on the world. And they already have like the thousands of employees. And they have already like revenues, huge revenues. And they look at the book and say, okay, this is book is not for me. I know, I know, you know, I don't need to come up with idea. It's like, I don't know, I, I, I have my stuff. I know to make decisions. Um, you know, everything is, I don't know, this is not, no time for that. Right. I don't see any, any reason to study that because this is not functional for them to understand how they're going to fix something in their business for better. 
But if they understood, they are they in my in my process, they are in a certain stage, which is stage, let's say seven. When you read stage seven in the book, it talks to you much better than the person that in this stage seven, for example. I think in my book you see examples of like a decision which a, a business owner need to take is like which channel, technological channel, or you know, distribution, social channel, PR channel, offline channel, you're going to 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 you. To, this is a decision which is very practical for every person already that have uh, big revenues. They're looking at marketing channels. You know, this is part of the decisions that need to happen, usually right. by the marketing manager, but which is it? Even like which direction of channel? Is it going to be like product, we're going to put it on the market now and on the shelves? Or is it products that we're going to put it, you know, sell it online? Um, or how we do it online? Should we focus on making media and PR campaigns? Or maybe we should like invest yeah, in our social reputation. Maybe it's a better decision to do. So the PR decision, marketing decisions are happening by, for the for CEOs. The deep, there is an inner meaning and there is a meta meaning for this decision and these stages. And there are common mistakes that already been for this stage. Because the stage already operate, this stage of marketing and coming to the world is operated for a hundred years. Yes, when you can, when you take and, and go with with your, you engage into the world. You, you don't have to listen. You know, in the social media, will come to you. People will tell you, uh, we make you know, uh, we teach you how to make ten thousand dollar. We teach you how to how to do five thousand dollar. We you know, all this kind of you know, you, when you scroll in Instagram, you can see many of these ads. Yep, in the social media and and. You know, this make money offers. And everybody are genius and explaining you why you need to be the main marketeer and how he explain you how to make money. But there is a body of knowledge for a hundred years. Where is a body of knowledge? Who studied that? Who seriously do that? So in business school, do they study that? Do they study um, what decision to go to market? Which channel shall I choose? Shall I choose... Facebook or Yahoo, just to make a basic decision. Where do you people, people study that? How do you read about it? Because before it was Times versus, you know, Washington was, it was uh, using shops instead of where, where is this body of knowledge, for example? So when the business owner understand that there is a body of knowledge, they are expert perhaps in this field. Now we know who to consult in thinking, ah, this probably this happened to, to another company before. Who can I ask about that? So he, he come to term with this world, with world of uh, exploration, let's say like that. Uh, if you understand that he is in this phase and this is a place that perhaps you need to gain some knowledge about, and especially who to, who to work with. When you don't know what is your challenge in front of you, you're not sure who you need to collaborate with. That's a great point. One of the things about your book, there's so many books out there, and I don't want to pick on them, but they, they tend to be very, hey, uh, let's say in the entrepreneurial world, hey, you have to have a business plan, you have to get funding, you have da, 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 you know, like da, da, it's uh, a zero to one game, you know, that type of thing. What I think would be really valuable for people that are starting businesses is for not only themselves, obviously, to read your book, but for their employees to read their books and their partners, because I think it's a good conversation to have to say, hey, where do you think we are in these stages? We're here according to, this is when we should be building alliances with people. We should bring in uh, advice. You know, if you don't know where you are in those stages, you're kind of not following a, a roadmap for success. And I thought, so when I was reading your book, I'm like, wow, if I, had, if I started a company, I think I'd have everyone read this. And then there'd be meetings on, not like what our daily sales are, but where are we in these stages and how, how we, how, you know, what step are we in? Guys, let's agree how we make decisions together, how we plan together. When we have an idea, how guys, hi, how we plan, how we make decisions here. Can somebody explain? You know, this is this is a basic. It's like there are there are things that are basic and people never communicate about. So the planning stage. Whose idea is that? With the, is it make sense that we know where idea emerges? Who come up with this idea to, to make this car company? So maybe we need to understand, for example, who come with the idea to make this? Let's understand who is behind the thing that we do. Why is it meaningful? Maybe why it's, okay, this might be not meaningful to you, but it might be meaningful to the, the, the person that make it. Right. Or, yeah. or come up with the idea, the entrepreneur. 
So maybe to the one team member is not meaningful. So let's understand that. <clears throat> let's just be aligned in certain, certain basic things because this alignment is super important. And then you have stages, you know, in the book, and this is something I also like a business person doesn't have to know what is agile, for example, because agile world is coming from the world of the developers. It's yeah. an internal thing that belong to developer, the developer of, you know, system, you know, scam masters and agile encoders. And so they know very good about agile as the coders and programmers, but usually the business person have no clue. What is the meaning that they have their rules? So there are pre-rules that you actually work with people. There are like predefined work rules that you work with people as the boss. This is, you, did you know that? You know, so I don't know. So this is just like basic things that being learned and a huge body of knowledge just, so my book just, you know, try to familiar a person with these huge bodies of knowledge, you know? This is what I try to, with the time, I gather more and more, you know, the more I speak to people, the more I discover, okay, or in this stage, we have something, we didn't know that, but we, but this company, they use this uh, methodology. This is fascinating. I love your idea about the alignment. It reminds me of a story about JFK when he was walking through Cape Canaveral. It was during the middle of the space race. He walked by a person who was had a, a broom in his hand. He, he was a person who, who was in charge of like cleaning the facility. And he had a broom in his hand and he was sweeping. And, and uh, John F. Kennedy asked him, hey, uh, you know, what do you do here? And he goes, I'm putting a man on the moon. <laughs> you know? And uh, probably one of those rare times where everyone that was part of that project synced up on a single goal that one person had kind of outlined. Now, not every, and, and I guess, you know, Google has kind of taken that moonshot and taken it. But I think what Google is saying with the moonshot mentality is you can rally around big ideas. Everyone can be aligned when that happens. Some pretty interesting things can happen. So what I'm seeing now is I don't know if, uh, you know, you can see it out there with a lot of big corporations. I don't know if everyone likes their job. You know, you could see it maybe in what's happening with the job gap right now. I think COVID has been maybe uh, an eye opener to people that maybe they don't like their old job. I think the job gap right now is because people doing skill sets, they're not coming back to their old job. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't think they're, I don't think their employer knows that. I, I think there's this feeling right now that people are home watching TV. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think that waiter or waitress isn't home watching TV. They're taking a Python class and, and they're not, they, they don't have any intention of coming back to their old job. And I, and I think what your book is really interesting about is I, I think COVID is going to be one of those defining moments. It's given a lot of people time to catch their breath and realize maybe their current job isn't what they want to do. And I think it's it's going to foster a tremendous amount of entrepreneurialism out there because people are like, you know what, life's short and I'm not doing what I want to do. And I'm taking this opportunity to step into this unknown. What are your thoughts? I, I can add to that. And I say that, um, you know, in the core of the book, there is this idea of, of decision-making in, in math, math. It's, it's, I say the dirty word. For some people, this word is not so very comfortable for them. I, the math, of decision making, and this is a this is a, I'm not, you know, and uh, it's it's mind boggling to understand. And this is a, this is coming from the world of philosophy. It's so far from business. What I say, it's like um, it's mind boggling to understand that there is a mathematical way to come to decisions, which are actually not uh, based on numbers. I mean, like it doesn't have, or based on measurements, I would say. The more measurements we have, it's great. But it's actually possible to get to a systematic way to get to decision without like using numbers. And, and this knowledge, for example, that it's, uh, it's coming, you know, this knowledge is kind of a, a there is a whole system of, of mathematics to, to, to answer this, you know, to, analyze questions that we need to make decision in the day-to-day. -day. And, but this never been touched by nobody. And, and many of this math, foreign math field for people, it's like they just not being taught. And, and it's like, I'm talking about basic, as a kid, you study in university, you study math for 10 years. You study many things for, for a long time. And in the end of this long time, they come to you, 
somebody come to you, usually it's your father, mother, they come to you, or, or your teachers, they come and ask you, you know, what you want to your next job to be? So what now? What are you going to study? What do you go to university? What are you going to work at? It's mind-blowing that, that we are not being prepared to this question. Do, are we are prepared to make our own decision with such a big question? Is this question, you know, the earlier you are, the bigger the implication of the, this question will be on you. You're right. So, you know, to, to decide to study something, it's like it's a huge, it's a huge impactful thing that you're going to do. And choosing your career path, also you'd think that you have people that you need to do. And we're not giving any tools, make our own decision, meaning like where do we, did we sit in the class that say, okay, let's look at all these occupations and let's look at how much people are making salary in these occupations. And let's look how long you need to study for this occupation. And let's look, let's look at that. Did we ever have a course like that? In, in, you remember for your study? You remember no, that? No, ever, no ever? nothing like that. Nothing, no. Why? I, yeah, I don't know. It's missed there. And that's probably something that should be almost started. If this... Almost started in kindergarten where people start to identify what they're good at, they bring to the world. And, and I think that's where you get a lot of employee angst right now is people ha are in roles where they don't feel they're contributing to the world. I will say that if people are leaving their job right now, the decisions that they took before, they could have made a better decision. Even they could have made a better decision before. And, and I'm not saying it in, you know, into... And there is a reason they didn't make a, such a great decision in the beginning. Right. It's because they don't have the tools. Right. It's not their, it, you're not saying it's their fault. It's, it's not their fault. They don't yeah. have the tools. Yeah. And like the fact, so where are the tools coming from? So who are the tool manufacturers for decision making? Who are the tool manufacturers for finding jobs? For you, for the individual. Where do we study this, this body of knowledge? Is this body of knowledge being studied already by university? Interesting. The answer is that yes, it's being studied. You, it's nice that you educate yourself. And it's nice that people will educate uh, uh, how to make this decision. Now, when they now they're out of jobs, they're okay, they decide to be a, a, a Python a programmer. Interesting. What will happen when, when the level of AI in 10 years will be good enough that they don't need the coders? That the coding is becoming less and less important skills. The art is maybe the main skill. When we're making our web, web presence, is it more important that we be artists and we draw well, or even more important that we develop well to express our ideas? That's a good point. So I, we are looking in the book, we, we try and, I try to bring a framework for everything, for all this, and try to unite it in some way. And uh, trying to help people to be inspired to learn certain subjects and follow and and perhaps do be a better version of themselves and manage to be the hero. You know, if we're talking about the hero journey, so I'm trying to bring the heroes some the, a little bit knowledge of the past heroes and a little bit knowledge of, let's analyze these past heroes and let's see what best we can do. You know, we, we in the book, we analyze the, I, I'm looking at, uh, at Edison. I don't know who is, you know, Edison is one of the most famous ones. Okay, there is Steve Jobs. Do we know what they did? Do we, do we ever know this story? It's nice that you read it, Mike. But people read it, they know the story. They yeah. know the story of Edison, they know. They know the big one, just let's look at very few. I understand everybody know Rambo and everybody know Rocky, but what happened to all these business people, which is very practical to you personally? How come we don't know about it so good? We know about Wolf of Wall Street, but is it relevant? No. Right. I think you're right. The, the sensationalism sometimes overshadows the practice. What can we learn from these people? Even the deep biographies of, uh, of Jobs, I don't know, kind of goes into the, they don't really talk about how he built teams too much or how he managed, other than I think they focus on his unorthodoxy rather than what actually he did. I mean, he wasn't totally unorthodox, otherwise it wouldn't have worked. It was, it was something that he brought and he hired very good people. I don't think uh, Thomas Edison or Steve Jobs might have been the nicest people to be around at some times, you know, but they were able to, to move things forward in amazing ways. But you're right, I don't think we're, we, we take the learnings. I mean, you did a very good job with Thomas Edison, but I'm not sure if, they, if we take some of these very successful people and say, hey, these people were successful because of, of this or that. The reality is 
it's hard work. And I, I think uh, a lot of the biographies uh, don't go into that as much or, or give it as much uh, credence. Uh, it's interesting that you say hard work because hard uh, work, it's actually conscientiousness, I think. I think in English you can say conscientiousness. And if you look at the big five uh, traits, this is uh, one of the most important trait or the most important trait to, to predict success. So you're right, it's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard work. hard work. But some of us, I will say, they are not with high conscientiousness. Can they be entrepreneurs? If you, if you don't understand it's hard work, can you be entrepreneur? That's a good question. I think you have to have some basic knowledge on, on your core business. I'm not sure how you have to, I'm not sure if you have to be micro detailed, but I think you do. I think it depends on the, maybe the, maybe the uh, industry. Because I think some of the decisions are going to come down to, let's say in that technology world, I think you could be someone that provides great vision in that area, but, or, and, and bring big talent around. I guess the question would be, who makes the decisions then? Do you feel comfortable maybe not ha knowing enough to make some critical decisions? But you, you, raise a, you raise a good point. Someone that maybe doesn't know all the details you know, could be an entrepreneur. I say that there are other quality traits and they are different for different dimension and a different stage of our journey. So quality, and this is what is my, this is really, uh, you know, so the core fundamental traits of people in the, these five, I can, I can talk about this idea of uh, five big personality traits and this is by Jordan Peterson. And, um, and actually this is the main way uh, if we look today and, and on traits of people, on, on this, uh, you know, how do we categorize people like in, in the most scientific way that we can, in the social science way, we will get to these five traits. And by the way, these five traits have been used by Cambridge Analytic, uh, Analytica uh, um, to help with the, with the Trump election. <laughs> so we can understand from just looking at people uh, Facebook or, or looking at social media to understand what are the main can be what is his trait or my perhaps what is his political affinity hmm. now to understand that and uh, about u.s population that you can understand what is the political affinity just by reading the facebook and you can do it mathematically um, um this is something we need to be familiar at least on these five traits to understand how the machine actually know to do all this what are the main traits that machine find in human that are actually the main the most important traits right no, so I, I really suggest everybody to study this and understand like how does it work. But um, so one of the traits is hardworking. This is right, yeah. but very important. And this is a trait that is important to us in another step of the journey, which is in like the team journey, for example. It's an extroversion. Some people are very, they're very, very introverted in the scale of introverted extroversion uh, will find it difficult to communicate in a team. Yeah. Team need the third, you know, you, you're thinking about great teams, you can think about the football team. You can think about like, this is a great team. A football team is a great team, for example, American football team or rugby uh, team. In Agile, they give like the, the description of like the, the all blacks in scrum in rugby, the Australian. This is a trait, it's a personality trait, so like extroversion. A person can be actually low in consciousness. A person can be a great entrepreneur, and he, he just need around him somebody that's a little bit more extroverted than him, that can take, you know, that can like help people together. They do it together. They, they lead people together. He will help him. Somebody is a little bit more friendly. Well, you know, you take a look at, uh, let's pick on someone. You take a look at Mark Zuckerberg, and he's obviously leaned heavily on his HR person, Susan Sandberg, to, to really be a face of the client and communicate internally. Like, that's a great example of someone who's not that comfortable with people. And he, he's hired a, a person that is that person, really, that really helps him communicate the vision. And I think she, he's, she's probably a great coach to him as to if, when you do speak, this is what you should be maybe focused on. So yeah, I think that's... Okay, so who do we bond with? So we need to look at personality traits. Exactly, who, how we make a team? Who is our team? What do we need from this team? How we learn this, this knowledge? So we're going to make a project. We're going to make a project now. We're entrepreneurs. We want now, what do we start? Who is the team? Who we need? How we pay them? All these questions, you know, this is the biggest question. In the, in the, this is the biggest questions in any entrepreneurship. Now, how do we address this? This, uh, you know, this is a this is a third stage, the third stage. 
We're making a team. Reorient stage. Edison was great in that. Can, can we shift gears a second and talk about neurotech.com and, and what that's all about? I'm not that familiar with it. I don't know if my audience knows too much about it, but I'd love to talk to you about what that mission is and what's, what's going on there. Because neurotech.com was me in deep exploration of my values. And I looked at what is my ethics and values and how can I contribute? And I try to maximize where is a single point that I can put more energy in the universe, let's say it like that, and in order to make a, a, an impact. And for the ethic that I believe, the positive impact, the social impact, a positive impact on the world. And I look how this is possible. Then I, 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 I said, okay, technology and the relation with the, with the thinking and mind and brain. And I, I come with a word, a neuro and a tech, and I connected the word and I created this neurotech. And I thought, I thought about application, you know, that you can, uh, how can you enhance people's performance? How can you enhance business performance, personal performance uh, when we tap into the brain? And I thought this is emerging field and like we have few exits already that happen and uh, it's time to call it in a name. So I call it this name and, and then it emerged. Then the industry start. I made the, the biggest, I think, I think it was the biggest conference in this field. And with the goal of, of making this field work, making these entrepreneurs in this field succeeding in their mission. I want the heroes, I wanted the, the neurotech heroes to come because things are happening and it's very critical what ethics we use. And we can talk about the neurotech technology, like, you know. Yeah, so what, what is the goal of neurotech? Analytics, basically it's a collaboration with a deep knowledge ventures. And uh, what we do, what deep knowledge venture does, it's like they analyze, let's say like the market with different classes. So they use like different technologies and AI and, and research and market research in order to analyze uh, uh, certain industries. And they like to focus on, on industries like, uh, like you see here at Neurotech. Uh, this is a collaboration, but they done they do age tech and they do space tech, different uh, uh, different uh, sub new emerging industries. We can say like that. So the goal was of neurotech is was first okay. Let me understand. I wanted to understand what is happening in this world. Who are the main guys? Who are the who is the leading? What what technologies are coming to the market? If I speak to the entrepreneurs, I will see what is the thing the next thing that is coming. I wanted to understand like this world, this world. And uh, that is how Neurotech uh, Analytics came to existence with a conference. And um, that is basically what it is. So it's a market research that analyzes the markets. It analyzes the journalists, the investors, and all the ecosystem. Also about the new innovation and uh, whatever. Everything is the market for this specific niche. What's, what do you see is the, the moonshot that people are working on in, the, in that area? There are a few. It's connecting to the nervous system and the brain. That's like the, that's the main race. It's like the more you're connected to the brain in a certain, in a, a more meaningful way, you know, we have the dimension of how much you are connected and you know, uh, and you have the dimension, uh, the, like how much information do you manage to communicate with the brain? This is like in how easy it for the person to do that. This is like the dimension that people are raising. And it can be also to the nervous system, um, which have everything, every application. You know, we are becoming more and more virtual and yeah. living, you know, over the internet. So enhancing this connection, this is like the main bottleneck. Like let's say expression of a, a person, how can, if, can a person exp uh, um, express himself more by certain technologies? Can he understand himself more by certain technologies? So everything related like technologies that relate between nervous system, brain, and uh, uh, communication, I say like that. Not communication, this would be specific, but uh, um, technology. Uh, what I think is the main innovations. This is a, is a super interesting uh, uh, direction. I understand what we can, with the time, we learn to tap into certain network in our brain. So, and I've seen this already. So we can actually read, you know, with the EEG technology, you can already read certain stages and certain things from a person's mind. Mm -hmm. But it's only like the outer layers. It's not like the deep emotional layer, for example. But um, we're getting to a stage and we are, and I see this already, like, you know, things are in a, a, 
most of it, most of the innovation are medical. And because they're medical, they require a certain, in, the, in their journey, in the hero journey, they have also regulation to pass. The yeah. medical company and trials, as we think with the COVID, you know, it's like a Pfizer and AstraZeneca needed to pass this trial. And this was what we actually waited for from the beginning of COVID for, for the trials, yeah? So all these companies, they need trials and they need a lot of money for the trials, but they are coming with amazing stuff. But this is something the consumers, the end consumer, uh, it's not for the market of the end consumer because the costs are very uh, big right now. Yeah. And they can be really large. Now, for example, tapping into a specific network, so a person, a machine can read your mind, let's say like that, and give you feedback back how um, emotional you are, neurotic, how much neurotic and emotional you are right now, how much you're getting into fight or flight. So we, we know to do that from expression of people, their faces, but uh, a person to understand himself also, that will be like, it's a big, it will be a big uh, change in the world that if we have direct answer for these questions. And this is things that are coming, how much in stress you are, quantifying that. Another, another area that I see, so this is, let's say, reading specific thing from our brain, let's say, uh, communicating and reading stuff from the brain, let's call it like that, or specific networks that we choose to train. We can train ourselves whenever we think on a certain thing, then our iPhone responds, let's say, like that. This is the direction that this is heading. So we're thinking of the function and actually we operate our mobile or we operate our computer by just by a thought. And uh, this is where it's heading. Uh, obviously there's medical treatments there and there's a, a boatload of medical treatments, right? If, if someone's got some kind of problem in their nervous system or, or in their um, cerebral cortex or something's not functioning right, there's obviously diagnostic and possible treatments in this way. And then I guess a more seamless interaction with technology just can make us, to your point, just a, could elevate us as far as our decision-making going. I guess we don't know what's around the corner here. I mean, uh, a, a seamless interaction with my phone mentally, both scary, but the great, there's a great opportunity there. Navigating through life could be a lot easier if, if maybe I have better tools. I totally agree with you. I think that we can make the story of like, you know, we can look at the future that we will sit in a cocoon, like on a matrix, and we'll be totally controlled by some wire to our brain. And uh, there is a, this story is that a version of the story that we can tell, but there's also a version of the story that we can see ourselves like totally free without any obligation of technology just running in the field. I have this vision as well in the future. The future can look very different from different perspective. It can look like a beautiful, you know, why, in nature and people walking in nature and being free and, the, and free with their bodies, or it can be like place of, of like the matrix with cocoons. Yeah. Now, place of this vision, it all depends on the entrepreneurs and their ethics. Let, let's pick on something, and I haven't used this application, but let's let's use it as an example, like the uh, the the weight loss application Noom. It uh, somehow uh, gets into your motivations and what you're trying to do, and it provides transformational guidance around eating for people that have struggled with that in the past. And I'm just looking at it going, okay, so there's, there's people that are sitting on a couch right now, probably overweight, unhappy with the way they look, that technology, if brought to bear on that, could help them. In a way, the transformational journey is known. And if we can bring technology to help them through these, you know, we can almost, you know, in a way, maybe change could be hacked either through motivation, you know, that almost layering in those traits in your technology and the hero's journey, we could help people get from A to B maybe faster. Uh, oh, we can hit there. As a yeah. company, we promise something and we make a lot of marketing for something that is uh, not really true. Yeah. It's partially true. It's not really true because person perhaps is sitting, I don't know about this specific company, but the person sitting behind the couch it doesn't have to be that the first thing that is important to him right now is uh, this thing. Perhaps yeah. his relation with his wife. And if we talk to him better, or perhaps he's a lost or he's in grief for something. Now, right. if we understand things better, so a person can be in grief for his lost of a loved ones so while we come and market him a certain thing and he choose that, uh, to go for the path of, of using these technologies. So it can be like, the reality is that technology doesn't really 
it's not always help people. Now right. we need to be smarter than that. Not I'm saying not to be a, a for example, I, I brought a, in the conference, it was Ron Kaufman. And he, he come from a lovely family in Massachusetts and in his father, uh, he has the Autism Treatment Center of America. And, and these are amazing people and they help children. And, and, and I, I was worried to invite Ron because I knew that now, right now he's working with a little child and helping an autistic child and helping him to, to recover and, helping, and uh, helping the parents. So I thought, okay, I don't want to waste his time to come to my conference. No, it's right. not less important. And uh, this is a value that I expect to be because it, playing with a child in a certain time can be more important than, uh, uh, but then, you know, like uh, our, our money doesn't have to be the first thing that is in importance. We need to know to make multi-criteria decisions and not only by money, there is also other values. Now, uh, um, companies especially, and this is one of the reasons I try to educate the entrepreneurs that they can make a multi-criteria decision. Now, um, but Ron said, you know, sometimes a, a kid come to me, a, a family come to me and, and and they have this, they, they, they have on the iPad, they have like this amazing technology, you know, the, the, the companies that advertise that they help the autistic kid to, to give him like questionnaire and, and they do analysis and they work with the kid, give him games, different games that improve his cognition. And he said one thing, and the first thing I do is take away the iPad because this child needs a human connection. This child needs to be face-to-face -face love and connection. So sometimes we, we come and we sell things that we do irresponsible, irresponsibly sell things that are just drugs, basically. Drugs in the bad way. And technology we can operate as drugs in the really bad way. Now, and I think there is a huge body of knowledge that haven't been learned yet. What is making, what's happening to everybody sitting behind the computer all around the world in the COVID time? How, how, how this affects affecting the social development of a teenager? of, of uh, uh, how sitting in the computer affects the relationship that the person have with the social relationship and cultural relationship. I know, I, I've been saying, you know, we, I, I suggest people to look at Bill Gates, for example, Bill Gates documentaries. He's a series, Netflix. That was, it, was, it was lovely to see how his parents took care of, of Bill development, always going to like three months a year, going only social, being social with, with other families. And it was very heartwarming to see like where he's coming from. How much is mom and dad took care of him? Yeah, they recognized he had a gift. They channeled it in certain ways. Uh, yeah, no, but they, knowing where his weaknesses. No, that's a great point. Yeah, this technology stuff is definitely a double-edged sword too. Just from examining the hero's journey, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what Joseph Campbell said. Uh, it, it's often defined as an external journey. You know, you take a look at. Uh, let's look at the movies like Rocky or other movies out there, Star Wars, you know, they're, they're external journeys, but they're, but Joseph Campbell really was saying, no, it's an internal journey, you know, and I think you make it very clear in your book that you really do have to focus on the internal elements of this. I think anytime someone's saying, if you buy this, your life will change. Uh, everyone should be, red alerts should go off everywhere. There should be a lot of alarms going off because I think people are looking for that. They're looking for the magic pill. They're looking for the computer to jack into their brain to make them happier. And I, I think oftentimes the answers are internal. Yeah, but on the, I totally, but I also see it as, as external in the way that you can describe it. You know, a, a person make with the idea, he bond with people, and they make together a plan and they make something together. And then they take this something to the market and then they learn more from their mistakes and, and make another thing. And, and the cycle repeat and repeat and repeat. This is like the basic of entrepreneurship. We, we come with idea from somewhere. We bond into teams and we make things. It's like rather, rather basic, you know? Yeah. And we come and bring it to the world. So, and, and so this is external journey. This is a journey we are in. This is a story. Yeah. This story that I'm saying now, this specific story, this is, can this be our hero journey? Can this be, and it's a question, but is this our external hero journey? For every person that go to work, his career, this is external. This is, this is very objectivist. If, let's say if you're familiar with objectivism and Ayn Rand world, this is like, I think it's very, aligned to her uh, philosophical structure. Um, 
This is what she said. In a way, you know, we see the Randian heroes. We see like they, they are focused on bringing this art, their art and their to the world. Yeah. Making this art a reality. Bringing the, uh, yeah, right. Bringing back the, bringing back yeah, what Joseph Campbell said, we bring back the prize or whatever. But the prize is delivering something in service to the world. Alan, love this discussion. Your book is called The Entrepreneur's Journey, Eight Steps from Inspiration to Global Impact. It's available on Amazon. I've read it several times. I encourage people to read this. It's a great book as far as, I think you bring diverse philosophies in a step-by-step -step process on how someone should approach their entrepreneurial journey, how they should build a team around it. I, th I think it was just a very, uh, it was just great. Thank you for the kind word, Mike. And where can people find you on the internet? If someone wants to connect with you, they'd like uh, to be part of the uh, neurotech.com world. What, how's the best way for people to read your writing? Is it LinkedIn or uh, what's your main vehicle for getting your thoughts? They can go and they can assess themselves. There is a on riverbanks.com slash scorecard. There is a self-assessment. Uh, that they can see where are they are in the journey, uh, where perhaps where is a bottleneck or blind spot. Uh, it's a very general one, but uh, it gives you the, the basic idea. If you go to alonbrown.com, my website about decision-making, I enjoyed the subject of decision-making. Um, sometime I had an entrepreneur in that. And uh, so that's basically all in, and of course, in the LinkedIn and social media. Okay, and, uh, so riverbanks.com, alonbrown.com, and then you're available on, on LinkedIn. That's great. Thank you for putting this book out into the world. You bring a lot of different traits, but one of the things, I think some of this philosophy... I think it's going to become more and more common in business because to your point, what are people really doing if they're not really taking, if they're not digging into why they're doing this? I think the successful companies over time are companies that are going to be going through these steps and asking these questions as they go through these steps of the journey. So I really appreciate you putting this book out. And of course, um, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike.